Chuck and Julie, bringing you the truth straight up. I'm Julie Hayden. I'm working at- An Emmy-winning former investigative reporter, a highly successful trial attorney, and publisher of a major Denver area newspaper. They've been partners as talk show hosts and in marriage as parents for over 10 years, providing thought-provoking information, opinion, and entertainment live, local, and interactive. Everyone's voice is always welcome on the Chuck and Julie Show. Well, hello, everyone. This is Chuck Bonneville and Julie Hayden, the Chuck and Julie Grassroots Show. Truth straight up. Truth straight up. The show brought to you by Mountain West Wellness, Advanced Acupuncture and Chinese Medicine, um, excuse me, along with HappyTrees.co. So we're waiting to get Robert Spencer, um, international affairs expert, uh, Jihad God Watch, watch. Yeah. Um, probably one of the leading experts on what exactly is going on, why it's going on, what's the U.S. role, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, over in um, Israel. And also um, at 3.30, having uh, former Congress, uh, Congressman Tom Tancredo come on. He's got kind of a funny story about how he he targeted, no, he didn't really, but how he sank Newt Gingrich's attempt to be Speaker of the House. Um, well, that's the last time, really, a Speaker's been overthrown. So right. um, um, not, and- not, not by a vacation of the chair, but by the Right. Well, and he explains some of the behinds there and he'll talk about um, how things actually really work and whether we can expect a difference in that. But what we're waiting for, Robert, just a ton of stuff going on. I mean, in so many questions, I think one thing with this whole thing remains um, clear, and that is that the U.S. policy, starting with Obama, I think giving legitimacy to terrorists, right, somehow, and I, it's on purpose, I don't think that they were naive, do you, and thought, oh, we can work with them and, and everything. No, right? they, they had their own worldview, which is they wanted uh, Iran, they, Obama wanted to get out of the Middle East, and he thought Iran would be the one who could, was strong enough to be able to uh, take over, which is a amazing uh analysis but I, he never of course said that um unable to reach okay hey thomas so go ahead and keep trying robert um um i, I, I assume like i said we're, we're trying to get robert spencer i'm assuming that he's like incredibly busy um right now doing columns and things i know he's got tweets going on constantly um but yeah go ahead so i'm sorry um and and therefore it it decided that you try to Put a lot of things in, giving aid to to Gaza Strip, which would which would mean money would be going to Hamas inevitably. Um, and Hamas did an amazing job of fooling everybody um, that it had no intention of wanting to go to war. That it was it was happy that the Israelis were allowing people to go work in the West Bank or work in Israel and making money and and all that other one. And all the time, they're just managing this huge attack. They're going to surface. And you look at, I mean, let's talk a little bit about like the U.S. role again. You know, so proud of it, their foreign policies. But we just sent, what, six million? Billion. Billion. Million, billion. We just sent six billion. And somehow the idiots in the Biden administration think that we're actually going to believe it when they say, oh, well, they wouldn't use it for that. It was was earmarked for this. It's It's like. Only, you know. Oh. Do, do what we tell you to do, and uh, if uh, you 
spend it here. We can't spend we can't. it elsewhere. I mean, it's a joke. They also spent money, $75 million. The House Republicans have been blocking this, and the Biden administration overruled them, and just a couple of weeks ago sent $75 million in humanitarian aid for food and stuff like that, right? And same thing. They're just pouring money there, um, and so, that, you know, they can use it to buy, oh, I don't know, rockets, weapons, things like that, right? God, lessons. Yeah, exactly, and I think what's what's well, horrifying, but also I think is sort of a game changer is the just the brutality, the viciousness. I mean, the the the, the killing people, chopping off the heads of Israeli soldiers, taking pictures. There was one incredible, horrible story where they uh, kid the Hamas terrorists kidnapped a grandmother right from her mm-hmm. home, killed her, and then put all of that up on the grandmother's own Facebook page. Well, so that's how the family found out about it, right? There you you see the pictures of them driving through the streets with the naked dead bodies of young women right and some of the people i mean what 260 250 people killed at the music festival you know some music festival well, wow. um, and this is from Charlene. I am so alarmed at the hearts of evangelical Christians right now as they are cheering on the murder um, of the Palestinian people and consuming the images of war machines without discernment. From Jim, for the last 75 years, the majority of the Arab world have declared they want the extinction of Israel. It's hard to accept their pleas for mercy and justification. Um, well, yeah, you know, I, and you're seeing that, right? We saw Denver's representative, the appointed after a, a vacancy came up, an avowed Marxist. Right, admitted. Socialist, democratic socialist. Right, right. So rallying with people supporting the Palestinians and the terrorists and, and saying Israel deserves all this, right? So the Colorado Democrats put out a tweet saying, we stand with Israel, blah, blah, blah. And they're getting bashed saying, well, yeah, maybe you should call your representatives there. And the squad and <laughs> people like that, right? Even the State Department initially, and you know, this is their, their real feelings, right? Puts out a tweet saying, oh, we don't want any, no retaliation, right? Well, Everyone the must cycle stand of down. violence. I mean, give me a break, you know, and then and and then you have the unraveling of the story of the Iranian spy ring in the in the Biden. Well, that has really gone under the blown under the radar, hasn't it? Could that play a role? But you go back to all along when the, the, the Obama administration has constantly tried to gaslight us, saying that, you know, they're the JV squad and things like this. And I mean, they, they accomplished. They are. Obama is. Biden is the JV squad. Well, but not him. He was talking about Hezbollah. Was it ISIS? ISIS was the JV squad. And so the United States has, through its policies, um, given them legitimacy. I think, which emboldens them. But most importantly, it's giving them money. <laughs> so, uh, you know, so whatever, I mean, and you, you see all these things about what would Hamas's, you know, motive be for doing this now. And I guess it's multiple full, but on the other hand, let's keep in mind, they're terrorists, right? They're, their long-term objective, and they play the long game here, is to kill everyone who doesn't convert to to their belief system, right? I mean, including That's the United not States. not exactly what they believe, but they, they believe well, you... Jihad. Well, jihad. They believe in jihad, which is war until end of time. But what they believe is that everyone must convert except Christian and Jews, um, who are people of the book, and therefore they may live, but will tax them to death. That's at least the official. Uh, well, and, and they have forever, you know, said that, I mean, they chant death to America. And I was reading one column that was saying, you know, why do we not believe them? Right. Why do we not believe them? Um, OK, you know, but I think we may not we may have to wait till later to get Robert on a different day. He's unable to reach him. As I said, he's been I've been watching him on social media. He's all over the place. Charlene, you have your hand up. Go ahead. Oh, hi. 
I don't know why I have to open my big mouth, and this is very unpopular opinion, but remember when uh, we were uh, really afraid of ISIS, and then we found out that ISIS were really British mercenaries, (laughs) and they were staging the beheading of um, uh, Americans to get us, you know, more involved with Syria, and uh, we we believe so many of these images coming out of media matrix, and I call it a matrix now. Because it's almost impossible to get your eyeballs through it. But remember the images of COVID coming out of China where people were passing out. And and, and they, you know, people have their little videos from their iPhones, but there's bots on, on Twitter that, you know, spread that. Right. And but what, you do you, know, what do you believe? I think you never know who's propaganda to believe. You see what I'm saying? But it does seem like there's not much discernment. We're we're being fed a steady supply of images, and we're you know we're swallowing them, and we're not using well, much discernment. As far as I I know, the images are absolutely correct. We're not getting any from Ukraine, which is yeah. Yeah, we can talk about that. Uh, in a second. Well, but, I know. I remember getting, when, I mean, when we got when you the slaughter images. Slaughter 800 people. You're going to have some pretty amazing images. Right, well, but remember when we got the images out of uh, Ukraine and we were all on board? Oh, we've got to save Ukraine. I mean, uh, we're just getting so many so images are, are that, we, pro, that we see. No, no, what? she's she's simply saying that you need to be careful. And I agree with you, Charlene, when you look at Twitter, because I've been going back and forth trying to figure out which accounts you can trust, right? Exactly. And as you said, and really, you know, when they those people in China were passing out and falling in front of the right. uh, trains and all that, I was like, oh my God, that was the Chinese that would just took that picture and send it over to well, us. You, Thank you, you so much. What, what, but what's your I'm, bigger I'm point? I'm never going out of the house until this is all over. You see but, what I'm saying? What is your bigger and, point? What is your bigger point? Uh, my bigger point is let's not uh, just reflexively uh, consume everything that is fed to us let's use some discernment because now we're finally figuring out about ukraine but they well, know i think how we to all had ukraine from the beginning but but you're saying we shouldn't we shouldn't condemn hamas we shouldn't no, condemn I mean, well i think she is well um i don't think we should condemn anyone until we know what's going on and 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 get all the facts from all the well, you're, never, you're not going to get much more facts. I mean, uh, Hamas is is broadcasting. Uh, we got all the facts from Ukraine within the first six months, right? Until we did not get the facts from Ukraine. Right. We never got the facts right. From well, Ukraine. I think should, no, gotten... you may have, Chuck, and yeah. I may have, but ninety nine percent of America did not because we were force fed images from Matrix Media, and we need to be careful what we consume and what we okay. swallow. Well, and that's... yeah. That, Wait, that, Robert Spencer is joining us. So I'm going to okay. All right. Thanks a lot. Courageous view. Uh, yeah. I don't think correct, but courageous. <laughs> um, now we have Robert Spencer. Well, he's, he's joining. He's, he's joining. joining. Okay. So, Robert, when you get there, if you're here, is he here yet, Thomas? Sometimes it takes a while to join. But she does have a, I mean, one thing that is interesting, you notice, I mean, when you look at how complicit the media is in all of this. All well, what's of the, your point, Julie? You think that this is really? You're not, you're made my point. My point is that the Ukrainian war, which has been going on for two years, we've never seen anything like that coming out of Ukraine, right? And all of a sudden we've got all of these pictures up. But now we've got Robert Spencer with us. All right, Robert, Robert. great to have you. Thanks for, for joining well, us. It's a busy. busy day with uh, everything and everybody. Yeah, they told, you know, 445, uh, seven minute hit. I thought, oh, that'll be easy. I'll be plenty of time for Chuck and Julie. And then it was just waiting and waiting and waiting. Sorry. Anyway, we obviously want to talk to you uh, about uh, 
Hamas and the strike. But I want to leave a couple minutes at the end to talk about your amazing video. And you also did a op-ed on, on uh, Jihad Watch. With, is it a Golzar Minute? Um, where you oh, talk about... Minute. Yeah, yeah. about Matt Gates. Okay. Well, no. Well, really, it was a summation of of uniparty politics um, that I happen to agree a hundred percent with you. And I must admit, I've never had anybody who agreed one hundred percent with me that you know Warren Harding was a good president, Coolidge was right. great. Just, oh, yeah. quiet, quiet, yeah. Julie, yeah. quiet. Uh, but anyway, so we'll we'll go to that, even though Julie is. <laughs> So let me ask you, you were tweeting not that long ago, Robert, that Hamas is saying um, that they're willing for a for truce now. Right. What do you what do you make of that? It's very important. We understand this correctly. And nobody does, Julie. Hamas is losing. That's why they ask for a truce. Look, there is not a single policy analyst in Washington or anywhere around it who knows this. And that in itself is inexcusable. But it's basic Islamic law. If you look up, I have a manual of Islamic law right behind me on a shelf. I could get it if you want and quote the exact chapter and verse, but I can tell you what it says. It says you conclude a truce with a non-Muslim entity under two circumstances. One is if you think he's going to convert to Islam. That one's not in play here. Second one is if you're losing... And you need time to gather strength. And so ah. when Hamas says, hey, we want a truce, they are saying to Israel and the world, we are losing. We need time to gather strength. And every time they do this, year after year after year, the infidels fall for it and say, oh, you want a truce? Oh, now we'll have peace. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> and they conclude a truce and Hamas uh, gathers its forces and fights again. And so the last thing Israel ought to do right now is say, okay, we're going to have a truce. But there's no doubt that the Biden regime and the UN and the EU and everybody else is going to be pressuring Netanyahu and saying, they want a truce. You're the warmonger now. They want peace and pressure to give them a truce. Well, I I don't think uh, Israel, certainly not Netanyahu, is going to be falling for it. Um, I think they, they pretty clearly... I've also read <laughs> some of those Islamic laws and texts, um, and they know that uh, they have to go and wipe out them militarily, which is not going to be easy. It's not going to be uh, in the popular, and it's not going to be surgical um, yeah. because they're they're hiding in the tunnels and everything else. So the fighters are, you know, the citizens are in the buildings, but um, it's going to be. Well, war. I mean, you know, some people think war somehow isn't isn't. Awful. Well, oh, in Ukraine, it's not so bad. Yeah, in of... Ukraine, it's good. It's, it's, <laughs> when you have the brave Ukrainians dying, it's it's always nice. But uh, so, what is this going to? Yeah. Well, hey, but the, you know, the two schools of thought now, um, and I, Peter Boyles, who you know, and I, we talked about it a little earlier this afternoon, and he's of the uh, image that. Uh, let's see, he's of the belief that we should that Netanyahu shouldn't go into uh the gaza strip um and he also believes everything will be over by friday i think it's they should go they have to go in the gaza strip and secondly i think this is going to escalate i think there's going to be possible retaliatory strikes against iran uh probably deserve because that's the one who started it uh hezbollah uh feels an enormous uh pressure to aid their co-combatants in the south um 
and the Taliban want to get involved somehow. So I don't think it's going to end by Friday. It could. There is the possibility that the Biden regime will put pressure on Israel and Israel will feel it's not in a position to refuse and conclude the truce. That could happen. But I agree with you. I don't think that it will in this case. This is different, or at least so far it looks different. There have been so many times in the past that Israel was moving against Hamas and stopped because the Washington administration told them to stop. And the problem just was kicked down the road for another day. And now they're talking about they officially declared war. This is the first time since 1973 that Israel has been officially at war. And that, I think, is is an indication that they're taking this with a different approach from how they've taken it in the past. They want to destroy Hamas completely this time, and they're going to do what it takes to do that. How do you see this? So Hamas also today was saying, although on the one hand we want a truce, they're also saying um, that they're going to start executing the hostages, of which they have many, including Americans, apparently, um, how, unless Israel does what it wants. How do you see that playing out? Well, that is based on the idea of terror. Hamas operates on the idea of terror. It's a quintessential terror group. The Quran, see, if you if you understand Islam, then you understand Hamas, because Hamas is an Islamic group. It tells you that in its charter, and everything it does makes sense when you look at Islam. And so in Islam, in the Quran, it tells you three times, strike terror in the enemies of Allah. Chapter 8, verse 60 says to all believers that you should make ready the steeds of war to strike terror in the enemies of Allah. So Hamas, in a modern context, says, we're going to kill the hostages, because that is one of the options. Also, the Quran says when you take hostages, you can enslave them, you can kill them, you can ransom them, or you can free them, depending on what you think is best for the Islamic group. And so they're saying, we're going to kill these hostages. We're trying to terrorize, see, the Israelis into doing what they want, because right. they know the Israelis value life. They don't want to see these people put to death. And so they may be willing to make massive concessions to keep them alive. It's worked in the past. What? Talk to us a little bit about the Biden administration and the American role in all of yeah, this. You know something? Uh, you were talking, Chuck, about uh, Israel may strike Iran because Iran is behind this and Hezbollah wants to get involved. And of course, Hezbollah is a wholly owned and operated subsidiary yeah. of Iran. Mm -hmm. And so I was thinking, OK, if we got everybody who's responsible for this and Israel hit them, then Israel would be hitting Hamas, Iran, Hezbollah and the White House. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. And explain all that, because, you know, first, I mean, the State Department, I, I mean, we can I mean, we could talk for so long. We got Iranian spy rings in the administration, apparently. But, you know, first of all, like, oh, we don't want you know, we need to de-escalate, blah, blah, blah. They deleted that. But talk about I mean, it seems to me that. Because I also want to ask you about, like, why now and why like this? But it seems to me that the American money, when they try to say, well, you know, the billions that we're giving them, they, they, we told them they could spend it only on nice things, right? I mean, how, how do you explain that? Stupidest thing. I just cannot believe how stupid this administration thinks the American people are. And right. I think maybe maybe this does need explaining. Too many people say money is fungible and dismiss it. And I think fungible is not a word people know what it means anymore. So let's break it down. OK, if I have a teenager and the teenager wants to buy some weed and I tell him 
I don't like it when you buy the weed. Don't buy weed. But here's 20 bucks. Go buy yourself dinner. Then the teenager has 20 bucks that he can use to go buy dinner. And he was going to eat anyway. So the money he was going to use to buy dinner, he can now use on weed. So the point is that Iran can promise us all day long that they're not going to use our $6 billion, or actually $6 billion in unfrozen funds, but $6 billion that they wouldn't have had if it weren't for old Joe Biden. They're not going to use it for Hamas or Hezbollah or any terrorist activity. They're going to use it to feed the people. That frees up the other $6 billion they were going to use to feed the people to spend on their bombs and guns. Oh, but, but wait a minute, Robert. Wait a minute. The money is in Qatar. And so we can trust our Qatarian financiers of terror. Uh, they, you know, they, they also finance uh, Hezbollah and some of the other, but it's in Qatar. so Which is where all the Hamas folks are too, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean... Yeah, they're there praying in, in Thanksgiving to Allah for the successful massacre of all those Israelis. Yeah. And uh, they're in a plush office and nobody's bothering them. And anybody that tries to get in there, you can be sure that the Qatari troops would stop them. And so uh, whose side are they on? Why are we giving aid and comfort to our enemies? That's the very definition of treason. If we right. had any kind of actual opposition in the United States, other than Matt Getz and his group, then this president would not just be impeached, but he would be on trial for treason. Yeah. Because if if you give $6 billion to a country that is screaming death to America, and do you know that in the mosques in Iran every Friday, they have Friday prayers. That's the big day in Islam. Friday, like Sunday for Christians. And on Friday, you go to mosque at noon and you hear the sermon and that it is required in every mosque in Iran to chant death to America. Um, at the at the Friday's big it's day, just kind of like, let's go Mets. Well, it's it's, it's you've been talking on the show let's many people six billion dollars. That's treason, right? And I agree. Well, compared to leaving the border open for six yeah. million people to invade uh... and selling and stuff here. Well, let me ask you this: another question. So, there's been a lot of talk about how did this happen? I mean, that there was there. A, Hacks on the security system was is I mean what's your what are you hearing and seeing because I mean you do you see them you know driving a bulldozer through a fence and you're like surely there's more security and I gather there is billion dollar uh, wall but something what what do we think happened well this was a carefully planned operation of deception Muhammad the prophet of Islam said war is deceit. And this is another thing that Washington policymakers constantly discount. They think that if, if, if Iran tells us, oh, yes, we'll use your money for humanitarian purposes, <laughs> we never consider deception in the diplomatic realm. And it's incredible. But in this case, there was a very elaborate, months-long endeavor to fool the Israelis, and it worked great. The idea was that they made Hamas pose as if it were strapped for money and hurting for resources and not able to act. And meanwhile, there was trouble in the West Bank. And so the bulk of Israeli forces were concentrated in the West Bank at a time when the real trouble was in Gaza. So they were able to bulldoze the fence and nobody was much was around because they didn't think that Hamas was going to strike. Okay. They didn't. Hamas was in a position to strike. They were completely fooled. And of course, at the same time, they've been distracted by the internal divisions within Israel. 
And the uh, Netanyahu government came in saying, we're going to reform the judiciary. The judiciary can annul laws willy-nilly in Israel and uh, uh, override the will of the people as expressed in the Knesset, the parliament. And so Netanyahu was going to do away with that. And there have been massive demonstrations from the left. And the Biden regime has funded the groups that are protesting. So they've exacerbated the divisions in Israeli society and, it, and maintained the distraction at a time when Israel should have been paying more attention to its external enemies. What about this? And because and we'll get to Matt Gates. Don't worry. In t- no, I, think, I think we'll do because it, it, we got a little bit of a late start. We'd love to have you back on maybe next uh, week, next week or something else to go over your Matt Gates brilliant <laughs> Matt Gates analysis of uniformity. There's so much here. Well, in terms of let me let me ask you this: Why now and why so vicious? I mean, they have completely. I mean, even the Colorado Democrats, except for one, are condemning it. Right? They have kind of made all of their the Palestinian apologists and supporters. And it's kind of hard to support what you know, 250 people being slaughtered and killed at 800. Well, no, at a music festival. Oh. Oh, right. I mean, and then, you know, Grant well, and driving through the streets with, you know, um, with naked bodies of women. That are all. I mean, why did they, as to a certain extent, take the mask off? Um, and, and why now? Well, I think that they overreached, as the left so often does. The jihadis often do as well. And I think that uh, if you look at some of the statements of Ayatollah Khamenei, the Iranian supreme leader over the last few months, he has said Israel is on its last legs. Israel is deeply divided and it's collapsing from within. So they thought in the first place that they give it a good push and it would be destroyed. I think they're, they're, they already know they're wrong. They were wrong in that. Okay. But also they thought that international public opinion has been so poisoned against Israel that people would not be upset by this. And by and large, that's been correct. There have been uh, pro-Hamas demonstrations all over the United States and all over Europe. And they don't care that all those people were massacred in cold blood and tortured and raped and everything else. They they hate Israel so much that they don't care how much Israeli civilians suffer. What about now in terms of now Israel's response? What do you think? I mean, they have, they're saying they're cutting off food, water, electricity. And this is Air. A, a, yeah, really a two-part question. One is how far do you think they're going to take it? Um, the, I think they'll leave them with air. And secondly, how, how long do they have? Maybe that's to be over Friday until the rest of the world all of a sudden, you know, we start seeing the picture of what's a picture of like the, the Palestinian dad holding his baby as it took his last. I mean, you know, before we see everybody condemning Israel now for, you know, That's already happening. I saw that even from people who should know better. I don't want to name names and get in wars here, but I saw people on the right in on Twitter saying what Hamas did Saturday was terrible. And this was yesterday. This was Sunday or even Saturday night. And now what Israel is doing is terrible. And I thought Israel hasn't even done anything yet. concerned about hating Israel and establishing a moral equivalence. So we're going to see much more of that. What I thought was interesting about that is I think most people don't realize that Israel gives Hamas, gives Gaza, that is, which is run by Hamas, free electricity and all kinds of welfare benefits, you know, free food, free this, free that. And these are their mortal enemies who want to destroy them. And people don't realize that this oppressed, supposedly oppressive, supposedly apartheid state is actually giving free lights and water and, and, and food to its mortal enemy. 
But well, now it's not off. a the Gaza Strip is not a pleasant place to live, no. <laughs> notwithstanding uh, all the it, other parts. It could have it could be a pleasant place to live, except yeah. it's all entirely devoted to destroying Israel. Mm-hmm. If they actually turned to trying to make a living, they could make it into a very pleasant place. It would be a, they could it could be a French Riviera in in the Middle East. I kid you not, because it's got right. well. They're visit they're <laughs> over in France. They're trying to uh, turn the French Riviera into the Gaza Strip. <laughs> there you so. Go. Yeah. Maybe could do. so how far is Israel going to take this? I mean, I, I, to me, if I mean, I don't know. And I'm going to be called the warmonger. But if somebody did that to my country and the people in my country, I would be like, all bets are off now. Because, you know, you're going to if you don't, you've, you've done this once. You've done. I mean, this isn't the first time they've attacked Israel. This is just the worst that they've attacked. They clearly have the support of Iran. United States is going to keep giving Iran money. You know that, you know, the administration for whatever fault, I know, but for its reasons wants to, you know, boost Iran. Um, do you think that's what they're going to do? Are they going to basically do everything they can to just, I mean, I don't want to say level the Gaza Strip because, well, can't it, level. yeah, that's, I mean, you can't level, but I mean, how how far are they going to, when do you think Israel be like, okay? Israel is going to destroy Hamas or try to. Okay. And- it's going to keep doing what it has to do in order to get attain that goal. Though it's much more likely, though, that it will be stopped. Right. That right. the United States, the European Union, the United Nations will prevail upon Israel to stop before the job is completed, and right. the same cycle will continue yet again. Do you think the Biden administration is going to change its policies, get rid of Iranian spy rings inside of it, the White House, things like that, or? The Iranian spying story has been out there for a few weeks, and all those people are still in place except Robert Malley, the Iranian, the Biden administration's Iran envoy who is dealing with the spies. He's gone, but everybody else who's been identified as an Iranian spy, they're still there. Well, you've heard, I, 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 I guess, that the, if you ask the average person on the street, uh, you know, who Robert Malley is, you know, Iranian spying, they go, no, because there's been very little publicity at all about it. Exactly. And so the American people have no idea what's happening. Yeah. I, uh, as a matter of fact, I'm, I'm, I'm here in my office and I know that the guy in the office uh, next door is a big Biden supporter, a big leftist. And, you know, we're polite when we pass each other. But <laughs> uh, I know that I uh, sometimes I'm tempted to ask him, what do you think of this or that? And in about 30 seconds, I realize he probably doesn't even know. Yes. Yeah. Yes. CNN, MSNBC, they're not telling the New York Times, see, they're not telling the left all these things about the border being open and Iranian spies in the government and uh, Hamas. Be, even probably they don't know how bloodthirsty Hamas really was on Saturday in Israel. Right. Right. What, well, before we let you go, because you've probably got 800 other interviews lined up. What is, I guess, sort of, you know, I mean, your explanation about truce, don't buy truce. The Hamas definition of truce is not what we look at mm-hmm. as truce. Just, I mean, just any other final things you would want to make sure people, I, I mean, it's so broad, I know, but that, that, people, that is a broad I, question. Um, well, but I mean, there's, like you said, there's so much people just don't know. Here's a broad answer. It's a religious war. People don't know that. They think, oh, we'll see, the Biden regime wants Israel to stop the settlements and allow for a Palestinian state. And the Palestinians actually don't want a state. They've turned it down many times. But a Palestinian state would not solve the problem. A lot of people think, oh, they throw around this term, the two-state solution, and they think that'll fix everything. This is not about a state. This is not about land. 
This is about religion. Islam teaches that any land that was once ruled by Muslims belongs to Muslims forever. So they believe they have a, a duty before Allah, like a commandment, like thou shalt not kill, only it's the reverse in this case, a duty before Allah to destroy the state of Israel and to reclaim that land for the Muslims. And they will not stop until that's attained. Well, I mean, they view it, and we don't, but they view it as, as a modern crusades where these Europeans came in, conquered Jerusalem, conquered surrounding lands. Uh, it took Islam 200 years, uh, 150 years to kick them out, but they kicked them out. And that's what they're endeavoring to do now. There right. is no possibility of their accepting a Jewish state in Israel or anywhere else for that matter, in any form of any size. Oh, Robert. Hey, thank you Thanks for your so time. Much. Yes, we're, we're going to have to just book you for <laughs> the next couple of whatever. Uh, so. uh, no, but I really do want to have you back on to talk about your brilliant analysis. Tom Tancredo coming on next, and he says to say hi to you. <laughs> Tom Tancredo does. Oh, hey, say, say yeah. Tell him I said hello. I haven't heard from him. Okay. <laughs> Robert, thank you so much. Appreciate your time. Thank you. <laughs> um, and we do have now, speaking of that, Tom Tancredo, Tom former, former Congressman Tom Tancredo. Um, I guess if let's just kind of continue, Tom, before we get into the speaker, um, you have some great stories on that, but your thoughts on, you know, the Biden administration, like Robert Spencer was saying at the beginning of his interview, um, that, you know, if we're going to go after, or if, is, if Israel wants to go after all the people who contributed to this, they should go after the White House as well. I mean, what do you, what do you think of American policy regarding all of this? Oh, well, let's see. Well, how do I, how do I start? And I certainly can't, uh... Uh, do anything better than what Robert has already done. I I love the guy, and he has he he edited my last book, and uh, he's just been wonderful, a good friend all the time. In fact, he was the only one that eventually stuck up for me at the infamous if they drop if they do a a, a nuclear device in the United States, right, then right. we should do what right? And and everybody went nuts. And, yep. But he said, you know, he said I I. I, at first, I thought, geez, I don't know if he should have said that. He said, but then after I saw the reaction around the world, I thought, damn, he's right. <laughs> and, I should, and, and, I, and I think we should probably say it again, because right now we are in the most, I think, dangerous time uh, when you recognize what is happening. You know, there's that old phrase about the barbarians at the gate. Well, the barbarians are past the gate. They're past the gate in Israel. Uh, they are, and, and many have come through our gate with, which was never even closed to them on that, on the border. They're here. They're here. The, the, the chances are that there will be some uh, terrorist activity in the United States, um, to coincide with all this that's going, especially if, if we do take more dramatic steps in Supporting Israel in this, um, then I think it's almost positive, almost sure that there will be another horrendous attack here, and so um, you better get ready for it. Uh, you know, I, I think I had a couple of commercials when I ran for president that also started quite a. One of them was a guy who was putting a, a, a bomb underneath a, a, a bench or something in a mall, in, in some big mall, people all over, and he was his hoodie. He was a terrorist. And in the next thing is kaboom, and, and I say, I say, you know, 
I I support the I you know I approve this message because somebody's got to say it. And uh, oh my well, god, it, it, it is on that. You got to worry because I know you know when you look at the Islamic and the the you know the basically the terrorist social media feeds. I mean, this is like you know a recruiting bonanza for them, right? And they encourage us. Well, that's right. But what percent of the seven million people who've come in under uh, yeah, last week? Last it. week, how many of them are? Yeah. potential recruits. Well, exactly, exactly. And, and you know, it was another thing, remember that I also got in a lot of trouble for um, and got told they could never darken the doorstep of the White House by Karl Rove was when I said that if we had another event like 9-11 and if we had done no more to secure our borders than we had up to that point in time and we have not done any more, then the blood of the people killed would be on the president's in that time, it was, by the way, Bush, <laughs> but I said it was uh-huh. the president's head and, and the members of Congress who have done nothing. Well, it's the same thing here. If we don't right. do something about that, then what happens next will be on this president and this Congress's head. Well, he wouldn't know it because he took, he's already, they called the lid. Yeah, they had a barbecue and then he's, he had to put a lid on it. Yeah, to put a lid on it today. Well, let me go back to that. We were talking Uh. about. And you and I were talking Friday um, about, you know, the, the the battle over the speaker, the new House speaker. And and you were explaining yeah. to me how you sunk Newt Gingrich's um, quest. Oh, no, I, I was just one one little tiny part. Of, that was not, I can't take uh, all the credit for that at all. But what happened oh. was, okay. uh, I was just, I just meant to say that it was um, not, you that this kind of the situation and the, this action that has been taken, not all that unique. It's happened before, and it happened when I had just gotten elected. Um, and the uh, speaker called me that night. The speaker, and he is, you know, you're still the speaker. Once you're the elected speaker, you're still the speaker until you're not. Until you either quit or, or you're thrown out. But, but he was the speaker, even though we were not in session. So he called and he said, you know, he wanted to congratulate me on the race and all this time. And when I first got this call, I thought, oh, my God, it's the speaker of the house calling me on first. How exciting is that? And, uh, of course, this is like the, my first night. You know, I mean, the, the election has just taken place. And um, and I said, oh, well, thank you. And I was you know, laudatory on what he had done in the past to uh, to help bring about a Republican resurgence. Uh, and and taking over Congress for the first time in 40 years. Uh, I mean, the House. And and so I was nice to him and everything. And, and then he said, now, he said, I assume I can count on your vote, you know, for Speaker again. And so um, I was silent for a minute or so. It seemed like an hour. But I said, well, no, sir, you can't. <laughs> and he, was, he, goes, he goes, what? What? But it just is, I said, no, no, you can't. And, and he said, why not? <laughs> well, uh, let's see, for starters, we've lost seats ever since we've been speaker. Um, secondly, and I went through this, what I consider to be a litany of mistakes we made. What were they? Said, what were the litany of some of them? Well, the one that, the one that sticks in my mind that we talked about that he got most upset about was one that said, and by the way, you blinked when, um, you were facing Clinton over the issue of a shutdown, uh, and he did. We, we, you know, we lost, and we could have, we should have, of course, shut the government down. And as I kept saying every time I got the chance, by the way, while I was 
in the Department of Education and would have been affected personally by that. I would I would send a fax to the to the White House to to Reagan, and I because we, there was no such thing as an email and all that, and I'd say, Mr. President, I I am this lonely nothing burger, you know, appointee of yours here in Denver, Colorado. I'm part of the uh, part of the administration, and uh, I'm begging you, do not open up the government. After we, you know, it closed, we, it got closed a couple of times for maybe two or three days. It wasn't much ever, and everybody got just a little bit of a uh, you know paid vacation because mm-hmm. everybody uh, came back, got money for what. Uh, yeah. they, nobody lost any money. Anyway, no. I said, please, please don't open the government again. Uh, <laughs> Um, people, it'll take forever before people really recognize it has happened. It hasn't. <laughs> Nobody yes. will know. Nobody will know. And no. so, um, but but going back to the to speaker, to, to uh, Newt. So uh, anyway, that was that. And he was unhappy. And But uh, what must have happened, and I can only surmise this, is that there were a lot of other people who told him something similar right. because right. he quit. He, he quit. Yeah, yeah, he quit. Yeah. Quit Congress. Quit the uh, you know the speaker. No, maybe he, he just said, "Well, win. man, if if Tom Tancredo is against me, I don't have a chance." <laughs> well, what's your analysis? <laughs> well, let me ask this, Tom. Now, Tom, you disagreed, yeah. I understand, with the ousting of McCarthy. Well, kind of. I mean, I, I have mixed mo- mixed feelings about it. That's for sure. But I keep wondering what I would have done, you know, had I been there and to, to vote on whether or not. And I, I don't know that I would have done it at that point because um, the, the one thing is I, when when I was talking to Gingrich, I really wasn't concerned that we would lose control of, you know, the, the Congress because or the House because of, of his departure, um, where I must admit, I don't know how this will affect the ability to have uh, a successful uh, elected in 2024, when you could then easily, it, let's say we have maybe a 20 person um, a majority. It's a, a lot easier then to get things done before you, you know, even start the Congress. You have another, you have an elected speaker, and and even if we don't, even if we have a very short majority, and and we do it then before the Congress, it's just a lot better, it seems to me, than doing it in the middle of a session. And I would never believe me if somebody would have said to me, "Do you want to be speaker now?" I'd say, "You're crazy." Not I'd never. I don't know who would want to be speaker with a one when one person can bring about a vote to house. Well, that's been true for for chaotic for the entire time of a republic, except uh, under Nancy Pelosi's speakership. Every other speaker could be the motion to vacate, and it was done in 1910, I think. Joe Cannon. Um, so that one really? vote, yeah. one. I didn't know that. Yes, yes. About, I mean, what Chuck and I were talking, and it's like, you know, should you be encouraged about Jim Jordan? But it, it seems to me, and this is want to get your thoughts on this, that the, the problem is the system itself is essentially corrupt, right? I mean, your main job as speaker is to kind of dole out money from the big donors, from right. the big donors. I mean, that's essentially right. your, your main purpose. Um, yes. uh, uh, and so, how do you stay pure? In that in that process, I mean, or are we going to be doomed? Whoever it becomes, is that are they going to turn into Just a uniparty? Yeah, they're going to turn into you know to McCarthy or or Newt Gingrich or what do you? How do you read that? Uh, yeah, how do you say? Well, 
it's the reason why, of course, um, that the usually the speaker and the leadership stays put time after time as long as their party holds the the, uh, uh, the majority, because that's exactly what happens. Is that as we've said a hundred times on your on these little podcasts. Uh, follow the money when you wonder why things are happening in a way they you don't think they should. So, you know, um, I saw that there was one person, a, a, a young lady who I think had just gotten elected. He took over a seat from a Democrat somewhere, maybe it was South Carolina. Um, um, and and she uh, supported his ouster. She, she voted with the, the eight. And, uh, and he had gotten, I, I don't know, lots of money from from him but you know it didn't matter to her evidently and um and by the way i think gingrich um sent money to me and my campaign when i was running and it didn't matter to me either i mean you just have to have i think you're talking about nancy Bates from south carolina oh that that could be it yeah Yeah. isn't this your first term didn't you just get elected yeah, she got one. Well, yeah, she, yeah, yeah. She had a tough campaign. Yeah, yeah. Trump didn't like her and stuff. So do you oh, think? Well, anyway, there there are people. There are ways to deal with it, and um, and again, it, it's you have to assume. You have to make sure that somebody is every time you hear somebody running for especially Congress, um, you have to really beat them over the head over and over again and make them swear to God up and down, up and down. Not that that will ever solve any, I mean, ever hear anything that, that they would keep their word, but try your best and keep saying to them, you know, um, uh, the, the corrupting element in this, in our Congress and our nation really is, is money. And, um, you have to understand that they will use that. They will beat you over the head with that. Uh, they they will tell you that it, 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 when it comes time and you have to take a vote, not just on speaker, of course, but on a bunch of other things that you may hate, you never would do. And, 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 and But you do it because they threaten you with no more funding. Nobody's coming out to your district to raise money, have big dinners and all that sort of thing. Um, and so are you willing to accept that? Are you willing to be, to have principle matter and even if it t- costs you uh, a lot of money and a lot of support from the from the from the top, I mean, they look for for primary opponents. For right, me. I was going to say, I would imagine uh, they would well, primary the you money, that guy. The money uh, coming from the speakers did seem to matter to uh, Lauren Boebert, um, who is acting yeah, like either. she voted for the ouster when she didn't, and she'd gotten quite right. a quite a lot of funds very recently. Um, yeah, when, you're right. Yeah. Well, um, and and right. one one wonders there, you know, if that if it's combined with the money that she got, uh, along with the um, spell stock may have been subject oh, to, yeah. uh, from her last, uh, you know, the the last little go round oh, with the, the theater oh, stuff, stuff. Yeah. So well, maybe well, she's well, looking to she's thinking, I can't, you know, better I better keep my head down here. And, yeah. And uh, well, what about Ken? So, I don't know. I don't know. Oh, what about Ken Buck? He what is, about uh, Ken Buck? <laughs> Explain Ken. Yeah. What about Ken Buck? <laughs> yeah. But it, it just fits exactly what we were talking about the last time, and that is he wants to be the curmudgeon, right? Yeah. He, yeah. he that that he thinks that will set him aside 
to to the extent that he'll be able to do something after this that uh, um, he's looking forward to, uh, and whether like, that's a like a CNN, CNN or whatever, or, uh, you know, that's the that's the word that's out there. Uh, and I, I do not know if it's true or not, but it certainly seemed his acting seemed to me to say yes, that's exactly what I'm doing. It's, he also has to recognize it isn't hard for him to do this. He he isn't uh, a person that is constrained by philosophical and, and <laughs> principles, you know, mind things like that. Principle, principle. That's right. The word I was looking. He's not constrained by that. Um, <laughs> And so it's, it's easy. You got to say, well, what, what do I do in this situation? Ah, oh, I know. I'll vote. You know, uh, <laughs> throw it, throw his ass out, even though I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. It just becomes kind of easy to make the decisions. Oh, well, hey, listen, John, we've got to let you go. Well, thank you so thank much. You so much. Everybody, I just, You're sounding great. Everybody loves you. Everybody on this, all of our oh, listeners well, say you sound great. Not everybody. Not, not, not everybody. I can assure you of that. Not everybody. <laughs> Maybe not Ken Bach. Maybe not Ken Bach. <laughs> Well, no, no, not Ken Buck. That is absolutely true. And there's probably a couple of others. <laughs> All right. All right. Thanks so much. Talk to you soon. Thank you, Tom. So long, guys. Bye-bye. All right. Talk to you creative. Well, it, and it kind of goes back. So we'll have to get Robert Spencer on because we yeah. ran out of time where he talks about. I want, to, I want a whole show on that one. Well, mm-hmm. and so we'll see. Um, you know, Obviously, guys, we'll be following and, you know, have more on what's going on, whatever it happens to be in Israel. It's going right. to I mean, it is. Um, to me, it was astonishing to hear if you just kind of joined the show. One of the things Robert Spencer was saying is don't be fooled when Hamas says we're ready for truce. He was saying in the Quran that you only have a truce for one if Israel is going to convert to Islam, which they're not going to do. Or you think you're losing. So you need to have like a fake truce so you can regroup. Yeah. Right. Their idea of truce is not our idea of truce. And so, you know, everyone's going to say the White House is going to be like, well, they want a truce. They, they want, want a truce. truce. Yeah. Just forget it. Forget, forget yeah. all those dead you people. Palestinians, they killed Israelis. I mean, who cares? Now let's have a truce. And by the way, we're going to give more six. Well, the Clinton Foundation will probably jump in on this. Now they're going to go. They're going to go to the Gaza Strip. They're going to build the Gaza Strip. It'll be great. It'll be just great. Thought on is um, kind of one of Charlene's original point in that you kind of wonder sometimes what you're seeing is why you, you see. I was talking about this just the other day, the bazillions of war correspondents that you're seeing in battle, jumping in ditches with their helmets on in the Gaza Strip, right? Uh, uh, All over the place. You, don't, you haven't seen a single thing of that no. out of Ukraine. Look at all of the people with their cell phones. I guess the cell phones don't work in Ukraine, right? All of these horrible yeah, the estimates are about, oh, I don't know, 500,000 people have died. Oh, no problem. Well, yeah. You don't want to cover that too much. It's uh, Obituaries, you don't see funerals, no, you don't no, see no, anything like very, that. They're very happy over there. Yeah, they? so that just still, I get to say one more time, wag the dog. Right. It is, I think, as the, the conservative trips was pointing out, the war in Ukraine, the war in Israel right now is a real war. The war in Ukraine is an intelligence operation. Yeah. Well, um, I want to thank everybody. I want to thank uh, Tom and Robert Spencer, and and uh, we didn't get to talk to you all, but we got a lot of your great comments and. Uh, We'll we'll be ready for them on Wednesday. That's right. See everybody. And thank you to BBS as always. See you guys on Wednesday. Bye-bye.